Okay. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the next episode of Clarity with AC. I'm super excited because I have my longtime homie since middle school, <laughs> Ernest <laughs> Bentley, on Good the morning. line. <laughs> morning. How you doing, Ernest? I'm up, bright and early. I'm doing well. I'm, I'm in the land of living. Hallelujah. Okay. <laughs> okay. So, like, let's talk about first of all, I just need y'all to know how hard it's been trying to record with Ernest. Okay, uh, we've, had, <laughs> we've had a lot of bloopers <laughs> because okay. he is just a character, okay? And <laughs> but I'm so happy that we're going to do this today. And um, our topic today is called Coping While Black. And Ernest is like my friend that is just as much, if not more, pro-black um, <laughs> as me. So I was just like, I have to do this. I have to do this podcast with him. Yes, praise God. <laughs> so <laughs> Coping While Black, right? Because there is so much... So many things that that's happening right now in terms of just racial injustice and being black in America. And it seems like we have so much more to deal with. And just besides the human experience, right? It's like a human experience while being black is on a whole nother level that I don't think people really understand. And so um, I just wanted to talk about that today, like what it actually means to cope, um, like how you may be dealing with the whole racial injustice piece and I mean, this country is in and then, you know, how you may ground yourself, because I know with me, it's been a back and forth struggle. So before we get into the discussion, I want to define what it means to cope. Mm-hmm. So to cope means to deal effectively with something difficult. So that means something difficult has to be going on in order to cope. <laughs> okay. <laughs> or <laughs> you have the capacity to deal with something successfully. So dealing with something effectively, that's difficult. Or having the capacity to deal with it successfully. Mm. So when we think about this whole you know, coping while black. How do you find yourself balancing like being black right now and then your own personal battles? And then they do they kind of like intertwine? Well, uh, they do intertwine. Um, and it's it's kind of hard to get away from get away from all the new news with with you know social media. Um, you know, I spend I spend enough time on it just like with everyone else. And a lot of times the the news stories are on there. That'll be the first time you see them. I also have the the app that'll pop it up throughout the day. So it's, it is kind of hard to avoid sometimes. Um, and I, you know, just last night, I came across the story of that, the most recent guy down in Texas um, who, you know, broke up the fight and um, was automatically assumed to be the aggressor. And um, mm-hmm. he, he was murdered. And, you know, as a natural reaction, you know, I, these last, you know, several incidents, um, you know, I kind of, I just, I, I kind of skip over them. Uh, mm-hmm. I find the stories, just, just reading the stories, you know, not even videos to be triggering. Um, and so I found one of the ways that I sort of deal with it is by, I, I at this point, I'm not surprised by any type of story that I might hear um, about some egregious incident happening to a black person, a black man or a black woman. So when I hear, you know, some of the, these, these wild descriptions of what happened Mm -hmm. now, that's for me, that's enough. And I may go look at some uh, pictures of the person, normal pictures of the person, you know, Mm -hmm. back, back when, whenever. Uh, And I may read, 
the description and you know D.L. Hughley will post some stuff and and Sean King obviously I'll read some of the descriptions but I won't watch the videos because of the impact you know and and I was talking to my roommates briefly about this last night just mm -hmm. you know the, the the necessity of having you know a safe space you know my roommate and I mm -hmm. um there are four of us that live here I live in a predominantly uh, Spanish-speaking neighborhood in Chicago, um, and there are four of us that live here, and um, two of us stayed over from the last lease, too, and, and she's Black, I'm Black, mm -hmm. and, you know, it was a joke at first, but as we began to solidify the two new roommates, uh, it became uh, something that we both thought was necessary to, you know, have a place that we can go to absent of the white gaze and white presence so we weren't very sort of you know let me let's find a white roommate and you know we talked about it it wasn't that uh we have any you know personal issues with white people per se but there is a difference in being able to be you know black and comfortable in your black skin outside of the pressure of you know the 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 ideas that sort of whiteness imposes on your black skin because the minute you leave your house i was saying you know you and you go into public that's a completely different arena um that you have to deal with as a black person you have this layer of being black first you know it doesn't mm -hmm. matter it doesn't matter how you're dressed it doesn't matter how you speak it doesn't matter what your profession is it doesn't matter who you are important to when you go out into society, you know, you know, we live in a, a racist society with mm -hmm. a system uh, to a degree. And and it 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 wants to sort of put off onto you the narrative and the story. It's been fed about, uh, you know, what black skin is supposed to mean. Mm -hmm. So, you know, uh, we talked about, you know, the importance of us having a place we can come retire to after the day of passing through white society. Uh, where we can come and, and just be ourselves and just just relax and just be who you are without that added pressure. So I feel like the ways that I have been adjusting in you know, this this time of a new revolution is limiting my intake of mm -hmm. the graphic images and and uh, even any kind of exposure to the story, taking it in like like little doses, you know, I, I'll, I'll hear that it happened and then I'll start, you know, I'll start with looking at a picture. I'll start with revisiting uh, maybe a post that I, I skipped over early in the day at some other point, you know, in the day, but also mm -hmm. being able to come home and make those decisions about whether or not I want to engage with some stories in my bedroom or in my living room or somewhere where I can comfortably react, you know, mm -hmm. I work I work, um, you know, Michigan Ave. It's a very, you know, busy area. It's a very white area and it's a very wealthy area. And, you know, uh, the luxury that I have down there is that I work with coworkers who have, you know, somewhat radical views sometimes. Uh, mm -hmm. I don't work with any white people. And so a lot of times our conversations will veer into um, race relations. It'll veer into whiteness and it'll veer into you know, uh, just what it's like to be a person of color or a black mm -hmm. person, you know, and the, the conversations can get a little heated sometimes. They can get uh, pretty passionate all the mm -hmm. time. And, you know, uh, when white customers come in, obviously you we have to go back to quote unquote normal. Uh, but even uh, sometimes when I have white coworkers in the past, you have to sort of tailor the conversation around mm -hmm. them. So sometimes being black, you know, and dealing with these stories, you're not allowed to fully express your emotions around them. You know, I mentioned also last night to my to my roommates, you know, we're expected to endure all of these things and to witness all of these things. And I, I always thought, you know, when you see these these murders, for example, example that happened with the police officers against black people, uh, and you see uh uh, a little bit more importantly, how they're handled afterwards. It's one thing to have them happen, you know what I'm saying? And, yeah. and murder wrong regardless. But then the part that everyone expects uh, recompense, the justice part, 
is 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 just I mean it's it's insult to injury, salt in the wound. And as a black person, you know, if I as an individual, if I'm outraged by the fact that, you know, police gunned down a man seven times in the back, tried to kill him, uh, after he tried to break up an incident, but you know, whatever happened, he turned his back or whatever and they shot him seven times. You know, I if I, I can't be outraged by that, but I certainly I'm not allowed space to be doubly outraged by the fact that we as black people are 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 shown when they don't get any justice. Mm-hmm. In a way, I feel like we're being told that this is this country permits this to happen to you. We're not allowed to express frustration by that. So we're not allowed to express frustration uh, for being hunted down. And we're not allowed to be bothered by this country that swears by justice, that sort of sees itself as in a way, the leader of the free world, the police of, of everyone else. We're going in and we're going to bring democracy and we're going to do the weapons of mass destruction. We, we, we put ourselves forward like some, some shining emblem of hope on a hill. But in reality, the experiences that we have to sort of be witness to as black people here, you know, says the complete opposite. We're not allowed as black people to be frustrated by that, that, that conundrum. We're not allowed to be taken aback by that and, and express our full uh, emotions of, of passion and outrage. So I feel like, you know, uh, for me, other than limiting the information, I need to carve out places where I feel safe. And a safe space for me mm-hmm. is predominantly a space that is reinforced by a strong sense of self. And, you know, it's, it, it, that to, to, to me sometimes, it could sound like it's not that important, but when you live in a place where most of the time, most of the advertising we see, when it talks about blackness to, for the most part, it's something negative. So mm-hmm. you're always having this, I call it a 24 hour cycle of assault or, or propaganda about you that's that's coming. It could be in, in placement where you are in videos. It could be the general message that, that's being spread. And and in there you see the black faces and how where they're represented in and like like I think for example the news. Most eighty uh, percent of the blackness you see displayed on the news has something to do with criminality, and the news happens all throughout the day. First thing in the morning, first thing before the afternoon, first thing after the afternoon, first thing in the evening, and then later in the evening. So you're getting this almost this constant feed uh, that will negatively impact your self esteem. So for me, you know, I have to have both a safe space that I can come and relax in after. Mm-hmm work all day but also I have to create a a safe space within myself that Mm -hmm. I can take throughout um, the city that I can take wherever I go and you know I I, I recall a situation once where uh, I was on the the train and I was going to um, you know we have the L train here so Mm -hmm. subway not the Amtrak and I was uh, on my way to somewhere downtown running errands but you know when i'm on the train i'm typically reading i love to read but it's like since i i moved to new york and moved here and i'm i have to take public transit a lot i spend a lot of that empty time traveling you know reading something and that's also a part of how i cope you know i i the one thing i love about books is that you know they don't talk back so you can mm-hmm. have uh, a wonderful story that that it could be fiction or nonfiction. Um, but that you can sort of invest in and disappear in 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 broad daylight. You know, you're surrounded by people, but a book kind of takes you and it sort of, you know, it sucks you in to the point to where you're almost you feel almost invisible to the world around you. And that's kind of safe. But I remember I was on the train and I was reading. I wasn't paying too much attention. And I looked up and we were at the stop I needed to be at. Mm-hmm. And I rushed up to get off. I'm typically already ready to get off, but so I jumped up and rushed to to get off the train. And I bumped this man by accident. This this older white man who was sitting on the seat incorrectly. He was sitting with his feet uh, hanging out into the aisles, and he was, you know, maybe coming off of something or mm-hmm. or was on something or just was whatever. I knew something was wrong with him, but. You know, I, you know, I didn't cause him any problems, whatever. I get up, I bump him. You know, I said, excuse me, obviously, but I'm rushing out the door. 
child, when I tell you, he called me the, the N word I'm talking about at the top of his lungs with all of his might. I mean, it was just like, it came out mm. of nowhere, but it was just so much rage behind it um, that I accidentally bumped him. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And I remember somebody on the platform who was going down the stairs had turned around and came over to me and, and asked me if he was talking to me and, and wanted to, you know, check in and all that other stuff. And I could tell in his eyes, he was panicked, but in that mm-hmm. moment, you know, having thick skin and that not being the first time I have been called that randomly by a white person in public, you know what I'm saying? At, mm-hmm. at how I dealt with it in the moment, I, I took it, I let it roll off me and the, the, the impact of it, I was going to handle later in private. Mm-hmm. So I feel like, you know, in, in, in public, uh, you know, I carve out a space for myself that I can, you know, that I, yeah, sometimes I use books for, but a space within me that, is is very secure and my understanding of who I am, regardless of what the this this the society around me might be thinking, or what even some of the people around me without speaking to me might be thinking about me as a black man. I have to have this this unshakable and unwavering understanding of who I am and of why I've come here. And so I reinforce that with my faith and and just with my my knowledge of myself. But, you know, whatever a person, I guess, would need to to do to create something like a home you can carry with you, like home is where the heart is. Mm-hmm. I guess they, well, that's that's that that's the place where you have to develop this fortress in a way to where you can you can retreat to which you know, in, in times where you might find yourself out and you're you're immediately facing, you know, um, you know, some kind of, you know, I guess Racial. racism. Mm-hmm. Like exactly with like with the guy uh, on that train. So I've that's how I've really found that I've coped. I've, you know, just being mindful and particular about the, the literal house that I build, um, just taking in doses and measuring. And then sometimes I, I even just skip over the story entirely. I'll get the gist of the story. And because I know the monster that we're facing anything you could explain to me uh the situation with philando you can explain to me the jacob blake you can explain to me um um uh with um um uh sandra bland you can explain to me the situation with any uh black person what they've gone through at the hands of the police i i nine times out of ten i will believe it because i we've heard the most egregious i don't i'm gonna check the facts but in the moment when i hear it i don't need to immediately go and see it because already in hearing the story you already know what happened impact exactly i know what Mm -hmm. happened and i can already feel the traumatic impact of the same thing happening again and the double impact of knowing how once it gets into the the court once it gets into the 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 full out legal and public opinion of court we know how it's going to be uh uh, handled we know eventually what the what it's going to be settled as as no one did anything wrong here's a little bit of money to keep them quiet let's move on and then eventually the other thing happens so i found you know trying to uh secure a safe place physically um Mm. limiting the income of that information but also building within myself you know a strong sense of who i am which becomes in and of itself a, a, safe a fortress space. a safe mm-hmm. space that i can retreat to when i'm navigating you know because microaggressions they happen all the time and you could and i was saying this to my roommate the other day you know you could be in a completely great mood uh and ready for the day and a microaggression happens and mm-hmm. no one yeah, around yeah. you Exactly. No one around you sees it. Mm-hmm. And, and worse, no one around you really gets the impact of it. I remember trying to relate to my roommate once, you know, the experience of being ignored, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And knowing that it it was it had to do with, you know, your color. You know, I remember, you know, frequenting this one grocery store. I would go in there all the time and, you know, I did the math. I'm spending almost five thousand dollars a year on groceries. You know, after I'm spending almost twenty bucks every time I go, I'm going nearly five times a week. It's about four weeks in 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 the month. You know, by the end of the year, you didn't spend nearly five grand. So if I'm coming contributing five grand to your income, I I would expect 
you know, the minimum when it comes to hospitality. But I would go and I would shop at this one place and I would go all the time. And um, a lot of times on my my off days and stuff. So you would see me not at rush hours. You would see me at times when the store isn't that frequent. So you knew you, you know, you may not have known my name, but you, you recognize me. Mm-hmm. But to go spend all this money to get up there to, to speak to the people who are at the counters, to not be spoken back to, to be ignored, to only be spoken to when it's time to tell you how much you owe. And to see the same uh, workers having full-blown conversations with the people in front of you. And as soon as you're, you're not even finished packing up your bags, because you know you got to pay for bags here. So you you either are packing your own bag or, um, you know, somebody is packing a bag that you paid for. Typically, I'm, you know, uh, packing a bag that I've already brought, so I'm packing it myself. So I'm not even away from the register before I see you launch into a full-blown conversation with the person behind me. But you couldn't speak and say, um, good morning or hello like I did when I came to the register uh, and you couldn't even say thank you when I said thank you mm-hmm. and I can see if it happens the first time not that big of a deal if it happens you know the first five times in a row five ten times in a row maybe the person has a hard time hearing but mm-hmm. when it happens after several months and it's happening unceasingly I know that it is intentional and that to me that is a microaggression because it is a reaction to me I'm the only odd thing out I'm nearly one of the only uh, black males that 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 would come in there, especially at that time. So, you know, sometimes trying to relate your experience of microaggressions to other people, they don't get it because the person I was talking to wasn't in the same boat. He's not he doesn't he's not the same race. He's not the same ethnicity. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So it was it's, it's, it could be frustrating sometimes uh, trying to figure out sort of how to deal uh, with micro and then the. They mm-hmm. add up over time. So, yeah, I feel like that's really what I have done without having to sit down and and um, sort of figure out, like, well, what actually am I going to do? Those things sort of just arose naturally. Like, the yeah. more I experienced it, the more I started to build this space inside myself. The more I experienced it, uh, the more I naturally started to say, I'm going to limit this because I can't take it. I literally can't take it. If I do, I'm gonna blow my top. So I have to. No, but for real, I have to limit it. And then, you know, it was a little bit more of a conscious effort when we were choosing our roommates. But you know, you needed that safe space to exactly. to be able to um, just naturally be who you are. Exactly. And... Exactly. Like how 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 like I'm a I'm a decent person. I'm not a perfect person, but I'm a decent person, and. And I don't like being nasty to people, but what do you expect me to do with this this tension that I now this great tension that I have to now deal with, uh, uh, seeing yet another story or or having to deal with yet another uh, overt or microaggression of mm-hmm. racism? You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? Like black people are not allowed the space to be Even human. Feel- you know? without you looking like you crazy or you're angry all of the time exactly the only thing we are permitted to feel is that jolly sort of nothing's wrong and that's what exactly that's what they have always uh, wanted to see from us yeah they don't want to they do not want to see uh our genuine reactions to um racism they don't want to see that they want to and even in the days of jim crow and slavery they rather they would have rather rather have seen us shuck and jive like you say or or you know do do step and fetch and all the other stuff entertain them they don't want to uh have to deal with the 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 truth of it uh and and you look at i look at how some white people you know the the fact that you can turn on the news and see stories major stories of them uh uh doing a whole civil rights movement over wearing a mask or not so white people are allowed to be outraged by anything they can be outraged by an actual threat to you know their sense of democracy or they can be outraged by something that they completely make up and they will get airtime and they will get public dis- uh, 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 conversations and discourse around whether or not they have a legitimate cause they, the whole thing will be will be weighed and it will be given uh, even sort of coverage you know and they and it could be over something as as stupid and as nothing as whether or not we can wear a mask you're gonna come into 
someone's private property, you want to go into a, a Walmart or a Target in a major group, and you're going to stage a protest with no mask, putting everyone else at risk. But white people are allowed to have that degree of stupid anger. outrage and anger. They're allowed and to we have can't. But black people, black people, about legitimate causes, and I'm telling you, you already know when I when I'm talking, I can get stirred up. So when I'm at work, you know, and I'm talking to, to my coworkers, it's almost like they they're they're feeding my fire. You know what I'm saying? And and I feel in front of them, I could be a little bit more naked than I can be in front of the the customers on the outside who want to live in a, a an illusion where no matter what they do against black people, black people can take it, and we we have we 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 are not affected by it, and that's just simply not a, a truth and it can be dangerous for a black person to express their real emotions it could jeopardize your job it can jeopardize your safety and security you know even if somebody isn't uh turned off by what you're saying the fact that you are stirred up in saying it can draw the wrong attention to you because black passion is immediately sort of seen as anger you know what i'm saying so mm -hmm. it's uh it's something um you know that you know, you don't, I feel like you don't always have options to deal with, but in terms of, you know, navigating, those are the three pillars, I guess, of my coping mechanism that I have sort of developed and that I sort of, you know, hold on to, uh, especially. So I have a, oh, mm -hmm. go ahead, I'm sorry. No, I'm sorry. I was just finishing, uh, but go ahead. I'm listening. I have a question then for you um, because, you know, you kind of already answered my last question um, of <laughs> how you cope. Oh, what? What? <laughs> but, Trick <it>. Go ahead. <laughs> um, do you feel like there is a difference between the burden that Black men carry and Black women carry because I heard you bring up um, kind of like I, I feel like there's this there's this even space of blackness that black women and black men have right where they have to figure out like that safe space where they have to have that innate self-esteem to know who they are where they have to have um, this kind of thick skin to let stuff you know roll roll off of them mm -hmm. um I find myself doing those same things like all of my friends know that I am um basically about that black life right like I love black people I love the skin mm -hmm. I'm in I love mm -hmm. my nappy hair mm -hmm. if somebody say something crazy I'm ready to pop off because mm -hmm. what you're not gonna do is make me feel like I'm less than when really you're the clown because mm -hmm. you have no history you have no culture mm -hmm. and the fact that you literally dislike people or you have this 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 inaccurate picture and this this fear that stemmed in nothing because mm -hmm. black people have never done anything to harm you mm -hmm. you have this picture of us that we're monsters but you're the one who who lynched people, mm -hmm. who set people on fire, who had dogs, mm -hmm. you know, tear mm -hmm. them to shreds, who mm -hmm. who lied and, and and dismantled a whole culture and belief system to believe that slaves need to obey their masters or mm -hmm. you know render to Caesars. With I just could not believe the hysteria from black christians mm. about oh if you're if you're not praying for trump you're the problem what that's, we that's are the most out. forgiving mm -hmm. people mm. that it blows my mind and we and it stems from that slave mentality who told you that you were just supposed to mm -hmm. turn the other cheek Mm -hmm. all the time when somebody mm -hmm. is steadily messing over mm -hmm. you like if that's the case mm -hmm. what god were y'all reading about in the old testament oh. because when he would send people to murder other nations i was just about to say he was also a god of war he said he, okay when he, 
where every where I forget the exact place, but when he sent Saul in before he took his anointing off of Saul and put it on David, he sent Saul and his army in to he said kill everything. Everything. He said get all the animals, all the oxes, all the all the people, all the children, all the women. And listen, I'm not saying that you know, oh, that's that's a good thing. But this is something also that God administered for whatever reason whatever that God administered reason. it in that story. He said, decimate the whole thing. And Saul lost favor because the, his men stole things that they weren't supposed to keep. They were supposed to get rid of everything. So God is not just, if we're talking about the same God, just on that point, he wasn't just a God of love and compassion he was also a god of vengeance like he said he period. was a god, who, who god a god who sent people into war a god who sent seven uh, uh pl plus deadly plagues against uh pharaoh and and the egyptians because of their wrong they were doing against the children of israel so this is not you have to give a whole picture of god and the fact that you know as a tactic and hear that as a tactic, not as a, a, as, as a way of getting people to naturally fall in love in God, but as a tactic to manipulate people. God was sanitized so that now in relation to, to whiteness and, 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 and how they use Jesus, it wasn't the rageful sort of just God was not put out there. But this God that that says you have to be submissive, this this sort of weak version of Christianity. Yes. If anything is a Christian, let it weak. be David was both a poet and a warrior. He had butt you upside the head and then he had sing to you. David was was, <laughs> was both. So if you're gonna be a Christian, you have to have the whole picture. The whole we, picture. Exactly. We were given something uh, to make us docile. And I feel the problem. I really feel the problem that is that we black people are very religious. And I believe in general, a lot of us do believe in God. And I feel like the fear on the other side of not forgiving is is while it is tied up with whiteness i think it might have a little bit more to do with our reverence for god we mm -hmm. may not want to offend god by not uh, uh letting this thing go we don't want to jeopardize uh, our maybe our potential uh for anything to happen in the afterlife or mm -hmm. or even to to jeopardize you know our relation although you could look at a lot of our lived situations where clearly we are being dealt you know unjust sort of uh of opportunities from the system to improve ourselves and to live in places that will support our health and yet we 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 fear is that if we don't forgive the people who transgress against us god is going to make our situation worse, worse. we're going to get a worse end of the stick and same time the, the the part about it that is just you know again so egregious is that whiteness has worked for so long in the american psyche and 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 in the black psyche particularly to marry itself with christianity and with jesus so while you know you may be you may be thinking or you may be motivated in the moment because of your reverence for god to forgive it looks like because of the relationship whiteness has sort of forced with jesus that you're doing it to appease also uh not only the white conscience but you're doing it because of that original uh sin they enacted against us making us subservient to them slaves obey your master using the bible mm -hmm. so it's it's tough in that way but we were also saying how um you know uh our idea of christianity because of how it's been hijacked by whiteness is lopsided that we do sometimes where we can be a a, a little docile in how we're, we are nonviolent and we want to be peaceful and yet we are a peaceful people but we also have to remember that the 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 best examples that we have in the Bible of Christians were were warriors as well. You know, yes. even in his stutter and even in, you know, I, you know, the, the I, I don't yeah, remember exactly the battle. <laughs> But they had to hold up his arm because he had to keep the staff up. This man, he was a fighter. He wasn't just a, a speaker who just heard God. Even God came to him in a very aggressive way. Imagine a burning bush, you know, out of nowhere that wouldn't consume. That's not a gentle thing. So exactly. we have been given intentionally this lopsided image of God. And we had a relationship with what we yes. knew before we got here. And everything was sort of eviscerated and 
and sort of written anew for us and hijacked in a way to where now we still have uh, remnants of our old relationship, but it, it, you know, it's so, it's been so marred by whiteness. Mm-hmm. It's hard to be a woke, if you want to say woke black person and still be Christian because your conscience is fighting against, you know, the lie of white Christianity, but mm-hmm. your heart is still after your original God. So yes, Ernest, but, but say that that's, again. Just, you that's, said your heart is still after your original God. I that re- is a word. I re- Do you hear me? No, but I think that I think that's what it is, though. Jesus, Be- because it, because we see it, and then you know, as as black people witnessing this happen to other black people, and then watching them get frustrated like well why are they wouldn't forgive us if we did this and right a lot of people a lot of people probably wouldn't but that's the unique thing about us that that i i feel like you know whatever it is there is something our humanity is attached to and i believe that it is our first god and it's unfortunate that we have been put through the ringer of the lie of white christianity this this religion that sort of is not concerned about the morals and the ideals that Jesus was practicing, but it's more concerned about positioning itself as something that is uh, unquestionable, something that is uh, perfect and without blemish. Look at how they replicate the image of Christ, the epitome of white maleness, of white personhood in white Jesus, perfect hair, perfect eyes, perfect flawless skin. I thought this man was beat all night. I thought this man <laughs> bled on a cross. I thought this man was preaching in the sea and on uh, mountaintops. I thought this man was was had been through some weather, like not even Listen. Up, but he had been exposed to some kind of sun and 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 and, and temperamental weather. He was affected. He should have looked like he had, but instead we get this this perfect image. It is not at the end of the day. Really believe how the religion f- uh, functions. It's not about the stuff that's in the text, but it's more about the political and the social positioning of whiteness, and particularly in relation to blackness. And it's unfortunate that we. Black people who have who were brought here and had our stories sort of erased that we have that we've had this this lie and this crime imposed on us. And now if you are if you wake up to what's going on, it's hard. It's hard to practice sometimes your uh, your appreciation and your affection for God. And you are faced with at the same time this image that is obstinate, you know, because I also grew up with images of white Jesus. And now I see that as a false image. I know it as a false image. You know, even the picture that 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 image was based on was was was, uh, you know, a popular painting. You know what I'm saying? So and so you're wrestling in your mind with trying to erase the reaches of white supremacy that is always trying to keep you bound to its sort of purpose and plan for you but at the same time you're trying to make room for god and it's and and it's a particularly frustrating uh situation that i feel like god is aware of with us so how more confusing is it that we would feel god would add to that frustration if we somehow don't be superhuman and 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 perfectly handle all of the wrongs against us that's what really makes me believe you know and People, you know, you you have your own ideas uh, ideas about things, but I really believe that an ultimate day of reckoning is coming, an ultimate divine judgment, and that head on the list are the sins against us the, that for four hundred years and plus that we've been dealing with these these gross injustices, things that would make people burn whole cities down and yet we have endured Mm -hmm. and we continue to endure and we pay our taxes and we work as good citizens not only in the system but we try to work also within our communities like most of the black families i grew up around they were not what the news tell us you know they're like you like Mm -hmm. me parents who care about their children who care about the value of their education yeah we know some no good people out there yeah sure and that's across the board in whatever color and we know that they set us up in neighborhoods sometimes to try to produce more of those families than not but there's a resilience that we have we have endured a lot and we we 
Oh. And when we get wrongs against us, instead of picking up a weapon and, and the same type of violence and doing it against those who did it against us, we dare to say, we forgive you. We don't say, I, I forgive you just to them. We say it in public forums a lot of times. And we say it unprovoked a lot of times. Because a lot of times, you, I feel, we genuinely feel the need to do so. If anyone, if anyone has been an example to God of a faithful people, it has been, in all of our confusion, us and and I feel like mm-hmm. the day of reckoning comes it won't uh, it will be about a lot of things but it won't primarily be about that time when the united states went into iran and they got they did the coup and got rid of their leader it won't it will be about what you have done to my people what you Period. And what you continue to do to them your arrogance and thinking that you can do it and you can do it in my face and you can say you stand in my name Where's the offering play, Ernest? Because I'm about to cash at you. A lot of people, they may know how to express it, but they feel it coming as well, and they see it coming. I spoke to a customer the other day, and I asked him, he was from Kentucky. I asked him, without even thinking about it, I said, hey, how are things down in Kentucky? I wasn't even, I was just making a conversation. And then I remembered Breonna Taylor as soon as I, Mm-hmm. And he was a white man. And, you know, it's rare that you meet honest white people. And he just, he could barely even articulate it. But he said, you, he said, you know what? Our day is due. It's coming. And I said, I was talking to him and I said briefly, you know, I three down there in Kentucky. And he was like, I, I hope good history. So I was making a decent conversation. I said, ancient history, looking him in his eyes. And, and he got it. I think people, they, they see a day coming and they know and they're freaking out justified. couldn't look at me and say I don't know what's going on why it's going on he knew the day was coming and he knew the justification for the day coming that our sins are gross they're they're piled high you know what I'm saying so you know that's that's kind of also getting just back to coping that is one of the things that like I said earlier, my my faith is something that reinforces me, and I really I I believe uh, that justice is not something that we pick and choose according to our constitutions, which are I mean the world is how many billions of years old, and you think that the law of balance it has to do with your constitution that you wrote. 200 something years ago. I mean, come on now. Like, and, and, and it, it, whatever justice is, it is something that pervades, I believe, the entire known universe. We call it cause and effect. We call it karma. We call it a bunch of things. And I really feel like, um, you know, one of the ways that I stay grounded is that I know that the balance will be righted and that whatever is happening, yet yeah, we need to continue to fight. But that justice, that vengeance ultimately is God. It is the Lord. I, it is. I, I, it I is. I don't go to church every Sunday. So, like, and I don't. I'm not a perfect person. <laughs> but let me tell you, I, I, it's hard for me to get rid of. It's a fundamental part of me that knows that there is something that is God at the center of it all, and it will be righted. Every empire has fallen. That's that's another history has told us that it's going to fall. But I think it is going to be a particular fall for the United States because we don't want to handle, we don't want to wash our hands. We got all this blood, black blood. And mm-hmm. We want to spend our time pointing it at the world and saying this, that, and the third. And every time we point a finger, we fleck all of that blood back onto our faces, back onto our clothes. And we look like a bunch of hypocrites talking about how people should behave morally. And we have these gross sins. How many thousands of people were lynched during Jim Crow. I mean, it's not just about the the Mm. 3,000 plus people reported lynched, but think about all the black people that had to take their children to church the next day and they had to see black bodies hanging from trees that looked like aunts and uncles and grandparents are terroristic acts that that invade the conscience of every black person. It is a sign for everyone Mm -hmm. to be affected by. So those 3,000, you might as well just take it up to every all the millions of black people in the South that had to pass those bodies, that had to think those white people came to cut them bodies down after they strung them up there, you're wrong. We had to go, the people we knew, how long do you think that you can have these sins that you will not atone for and God will turn a blind eye? It will be a particular crash, I believe. But it will, I, I, I like that black people in general are waking up and that 
a, co- a, a collective coping mechanism. The truth is like sunshine. I heard it. It, sunshine, it gives <laughs> warmth. It, it 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 chases away darkness. It makes you feel better. It makes things grow. And what's happening is that we see a lot of black people, a lot of young black people, but also a lot of older black people waking up. You know, in a way to a revolutionary truth. You know uh, that is inspiring to see you do draw strength from uh that help you keep going sort of to the next moment but go ahead what do you got another question i don't want to talk all day <laughs> um actually i don't even know how we even got to being black and christian and views and all of that because i think originally i was asking you do you think that there's a different yes, burden that, that was black the original men carry than black women? <laughs> but wait, wait, I don't know what the trans what is, wait, what, what the train turn, but it, it did somewhere, somewhere in there. Wait. <laughs> yes, and I do have an answer for that. I have an answer for that. Wait. You might have to wait, Ernest. We might have to do a oh. part two because I feel like that <laughs> that's a whole nother topic, and I'm gonna okay. tell you why. And I also think we're going to do a part three because we really need to dive more into this black Uh-oh. Christian, uh, black yes, Christianity. Yes, because I, yes, yes. And that's a whole, whole other mm-hmm. word. So mm-hmm. <laughs> that's a mm-hmm. whole nother conversation. So y'all, I need y'all to listen that we are going, this was just part one of, of coping while black. And there's a couple of more points that I want to make today, but the whole piece between coping as a black man and as a black woman there that's a whole dynamic as well because i feel as though as a black woman sometimes the burden can be heavier in certain places because not only do we as a whole fall into colorism do we fall into um gender roles and everything like that about men not be able not being able to feel but then we got all these broken men who then harm black women and now our black women are broken and that now our families are broken and it's like there's this yes. whole dynamic about being mm-hmm. a black woman and, mm-hmm. and coping with all of this because I'm also innately innately I feel like every black woman is really meant to love Mm. a black man. And the only reason why black women to me, and this is, people can say, oh, love is love and you just attracted to who you attracted to. A lot of black women and some that I know choose to date Mm. other races because of their experiences Mm. with black men. Of of not feeling loved and feeling like they have to put up with toxic behavior because all we want to do is love you Mm. niggas. And... And it turns into something else, but that's a deeper rooted issue because you all have been taught to hate yourself. You know what I'm saying? You all have been taught that you can't have emotions and now you can't hold space for me. You know what I'm saying? So like there's a lot of other things that I feel like we're dealing with due to racial injustice, due to what has been done, the breakdown of of the Black community. And that's a whole nother thing that we have to cope with, right? That we have to figure out that wasn't our fault, so to speak. And so that's why I say that's a whole nother conversation because I feel like we can... It's it's, it's definitely loaded. So what I want to end with today is just going over what you said and, and and my tone is a little bit more passionate. Usually, like, you know, I'm in my therapist voice and everything like that. <laughs> but anything about talking about being black, sis, is on edge. So I want to just reiterate you saying that your, your grounding techniques have been having that safe space um, for you to just be who you are, your faith, and then also that self that self-love yeah. piece yeah. and so yeah that's what I want to I want to leave with um in terms of my therapeutic tip for for today uh, of coping while black our first segment is really finding something that grounds you and I really really want to harp on creating mm-hmm. a safe space 
a safe space for you, whatever that may look like. For you, Ernest, you said it's that that place when you go home and you're surrounding yourself, intentionally surrounding yourself um, with people that are like-minded and with people that look like you, right? I mean, and sometimes they don't even necessarily mean like just because they look like right. you. Right, Daniel Cameron, safe space, okay. okay? Mm-hmm. But, okay, mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. But intentionally being surrounded with those that look like you and those that are like minded. And so I can say the same thing for me. My, my, the, the, the circle that I have here in Detroit is very like minded in mm-hmm. terms of who we are especially as, as black men and black women, but just having that space to, to cry mm-hmm. when you need to, to say, mm-hmm. hey, did you see this? Or, hey, how are you taking mm-hmm. care of yourself? Because this just came out or whatever. So really, really finding that safe, mm-hmm. that safe space for you. Any closing thoughts for, for um, you? No, I like how you sort of, you know, succinctly put, put my points. I feel like um, putting it into words, uh, when we first were talking was um, I'm not used to doing that, but you know, the, the just solidifying mm-hmm. it as faith and self-love and a safe space. That's really, and all that, you know, I was expressing really just what I've done. And I guess, you know, those things came naturally and maybe they were reinforced by hearing it so much, like from you hearing it from, you know, places like Charlemagne, you know, he is always talking about, you know, mm-hmm. therapy, self-love and all this stuff. So, and, and was a seed that started, was planted and started growing, but that's, that's how I've been getting through my life. <laughs> really. Mm-hmm. Amen. Amen. Well, thank y'all for listening to another episode of Clarity with AC. I hope that you got your black life while listening to this. And trust me, part two is coming sooner than you think. And we're going to dive into that whole concept of how we're coping as as Black men and, and Black women and the whole Black family piece as well. Thank you guys for listening. Talk to you soon. Bye.